0: You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note, the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. My name is Simon Glazier and I am one of your hosts for today's topic.
1: And I am Bex Elder, your other host, and today we are going to be discussing Giving. So Simon, we've opened the very first season of Where Your Treasure Is by asking questions such as what is money, what does the Bible say about money, and what is financial planning? In the last episode, we started laying out some of the foundations of faithful finance. Why are we taking a deeper dive into the topic of giving at this specific moment?
0: Okay, we're gonna set the scene, Beck. Just imagine you're stepping into a financial advisor's office. My world, perhaps for the first time, and they have beautiful plush carpets on the floor and maybe wood paneling on the walls. And they sit you down, offer you a nice cup of coffee and a fancy biscuit, and they start asking you some questions. The kind of things you'd expect, you know, how much money do you earn and how much money do you have how big is your pension fund? And and their objective might be to make you as much money as possible and to ensure that you had enough to live the life that you want. What most financial advisors won't ask is, so what's your attitude towards giving? How much do you give away? Who do you give to? What do you give? And and why do you give? I've worked with clients in the financial advice world for, for 20 plus years now. And one of the biggest differences i've observed bex is in their attitude towards giving and it's an area where i think that in god's economy it's very very different from the world's economy
1: that's so interesting we often talk about the kingdom of god being upside down and i guess money is just another area where we see sometimes our attitude being very different to the worldly attitude And so giving is a really important topic for Christians and one that we probably all want to grapple with. And so as I've gone through the Bible, I've seen lots of references that might help us answer those questions you referred to, such as why do we give, how much we give, to whom we give, and what we give. And yet, I don't really fully understand what the Bible says about these things. What would you like us to leave today's podcast having heard, understood, and thought about?
0: So as usual, uh, this topic is far too big for us to cover in the next 25 minutes. And I suspect that really, we might reach no firm conclusions about giving, but I'm hoping that by reference both to scripture and also to experience, I'll be able to help our listeners create a better framework for considering their giving and to be more deliberate about the giving choices that they make.
1: Fantastic. So let's start with tithing. I realise that you haven't called this episode tithing, you've called it giving. And throughout my experience of church, I've come across people who are really pro-tithing as a concept, or there's some people who feel that it's an Old Testament principle and one we don't need to follow anymore. So where do you stand on
0: tithing? So the the tithe is a requirement to give 10%. That's basically what tithe means, 10%. Uh, But let me ask you a question, Bex. Which tithe do you mean? Do you mean the Levitical tithe, the feast tithe, or the poor tithe? I didn't even realise there was more than one. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, So uh, if you trust me, um, I'm happy to believe me that the Bible does talk about three different tithes. Would that be okay? I'll take your word for it. Excellent. Okay, so I've got another question for you. Um, Are you giving 10% of your income, of your assets, all the stuff that you own, or out of the increase in what you own?
1: Um, I mean, the maths has never been my strong suit, so I'm not sure I have a definite answer for you on that.
0: Okay, I'll keep going. Let's assume you have worked out the answer to to those kind of questions. Having given the first tithe, 10%, do you also give 10% to the second tithe and the third tithe, which means that you're giving 30%, or do you give 10% of the 90% that's left after the first tithe, which would now be 9% for the second tithe, and then 8.1% for the third tithe. But of course, the third tithe is only given every three years. So do you save up the the 10% for three years and give it all in one go? Or do you spread it over the three years? So, It's like 3.3% per year, or possibly 2.7% per year, if it's the 8.1% of the tithe after the first and second tithe. So that'd be equivalent to possibly a 10% tithe, or a 27.1% tithe, or a 21.7% tithe. Does that all make sense, Bex?
1: You lost me as soon as you started giving me multiple percentages. (laughs) I am way back somewhere else in the conversation. So do I really need to understand all these percentages? Is that what you're going to spend this episode explaining to me? I thought the tithe would help us, but actually I feel like it's just made it a lot
0: harder. Yeah. And I suppose that's one of the big issues that I have with the concept of tithing or the word tithing let's say that the Bible itself is not primarily written as an instruction manual on giving. It's not thematically laid out. It's not done in an organized manner in this respect. I actually don't believe that we have to fully understand the tithe and how it applied to the the nation of Israel and giving to the Levites, for example, in order for us to understand God's heart for us when it comes to giving. So let's take this principle. There are teachings that are in the Old Testament. And then when Jesus comes along, obviously, starts the New Testament, he specifically reinforces some of those teachings. And I'm thinking here, for example, when Jesus is asked to summarize the law, what's the most important law? And he says in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm slightly paraphrasing. So he kind of is saying that was really important then and it's really important now. There are other places where Jesus takes some Old Testament principles or law and he refuses them, he replaces them. So in the Sermon on the Mount, for example, there are six times where Jesus uses this phrase, you have heard it said, dot, 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 but I say. So for example, he says, you have heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. And he's actually quoting Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, that was a serious one, eye for eye and tooth for tooth but i say says jesus turn the other cheek
1: okay so applying that to the tithe does jesus reinforce the tithe or does he replace it with something else
0: i'm going to say he does reinforce it and he also replaces it
1: so neither option Uh, you just confuse me even more
0: let me see if i can um, justify my opinion so There's a verse I mentioned in our last episode, Matthew 23, 23, when Jesus is saying to religious leaders in respect of their kind of compulsive, obsessive tithing, you should have practiced the latter. That is, yeah, you should have tithed without neglecting the former. The former things he's talking about are justice and mercy and faithfulness. So here is this beautiful, perfect opportunity for Jesus to refute and replace the tithe if that's what he wanted to do, but he doesn't. He seems to confirm it as good practice and one that should be continued along with other more important matters of the law. But then Jesus and, to be honest, other New Testament writers following Jesus seem to take this topic of giving to a whole new level. So let me uh, give you some examples of this. Uh, Let's take uh, the story of the widow's offering in Mark 12. Jesus is sitting with the disciples at the temple and, and observing people in their giving habits. And this poor widow comes along and she puts two very small copper coins worth only a few pence is the way the Bible puts it, into the offering. And Jesus says that she gave more than the rich people who gave very large amounts because she gave out of her poverty and not out of her wealth. So This would imply that our giving should somehow be proportionate. You know, if you've got more, you give more, but it should also be sacrificial. She had very little and yet she gave, it says, all that she had. The wealthy should give more than the poor and not just more pounds and more pence, but they should give a higher percentage, perhaps it should make a bigger impact to them. And they shouldn't give out of just the surplus, what they've got left over when they've done all the things that they want to with their money. So that's the first slight change that Jesus introduces around giving. Let's go a bit further forward. Now, Paul, who wrote vast quantities of the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians, he explains that our giving should be a planned process. He says this, now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So he's telling both the Galatians and the Corinthians this, you must believe it. On the first day of each week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. And he's going to come along later and collect it and then take it to where the need is. So here Paul is advocating regular giving, Our giving should be regular. He says the first day of every week. We might do it the first day of every month or the day when we get paid every month. Set aside that money, ahead of when it's going to be collected or by paul or for us given given to the church given to charity believers are encouraged to plan ahead with their giving now to me it kind of harkens back to the first fruits that are referred to in the old testament the lord asks us to give the first of our crops and our herds okay in the old testament crops and herds to him and to give the best as well not just give what's left over At the end of the month. Of course, the risk is there's nothing left over at the end of the month, and and quite possibly more months left over than money. So, we've got a couple of principles that are building. Let's add to this one. Again, we're going to use Paul, but this time it's in his second letter to the Corinthians. He keeps going on this theme and he encourages generosity. This is what he says Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This kind of suggests that being generous in our giving could actually be to our advantage. We might end up being better off and and not worse off. But I'm not advocating a prosperity gospel. We'll touch that in the future if we need to. He continues anyway. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver what you have decided in your heart to give straight away. This feels a bit less strict than the the 10% rule, the tithe. So perhaps giving less than 10% is okay. Or maybe in your heart, you feel inspired by God to give more than 10%. Maybe you can afford more than 10%, but our giving should be intentional. It should be inspired. It shouldn't just be accidental or unintentional. And, It also matters, according to Paul, how we feel when we give. We should be joyful givers. And to be honest, I could pick out more and more and more, but I think I've had those key principles that I try and apply in my life when I'm giving.
1: That's so helpful. So, from looking at those various parts of scriptures, it sounds like what you're suggesting so far is that our giving should be proportional, it should be sacrificial giving should be regular and planned it should be joyful and ultimately god inspired and so rather than a set of kind of rules and what you should and shouldn't do which was partly what i was expecting it feels like these are attitudes and so it sounds like god cares more about how we give and why we give rather than the amount we're giving is that right
0: yeah if i kind of summarize i might say. It's not about how much we give, but about what we do with the how much that we have been given. So
1: helpful. It's not about how much we give, but what we do with the how much we've been given. I love that. So, Simon, now we've got that principle in place. Are there any top tips you would give us to help us translate those biblical principles into personal practices?
0: Sure. Let me talk very personally then, and let me tell you what I do. I've spent a lot of time developing my theology of giving and my practice of giving. And if I tell you what I do, you can then decide if any of these practices would be helpful for for you, for our listeners to consider, or at least to trigger some thought process in their lives. So number one, the first decision I had to make, and this was a long time ago now, is well, who do you give to? Now, I feel very blessed and fortunate. I was raised in a Christian home. I went to church as a a very young boy and growing up and my parents witnessed to me giving to the church. And I I kind of had to decide for myself really as a student and then getting my first job. Is that what I'm going to do? I believe that the church is God's primary method of bringing about his mission on earth, bringing people into relationship with him, making disciples and continuing to develop disciples. It's the working out of that great commission. And so my decision was that I would first choose to give to my local church, the church that I was part of. And then on top of that, I would consider giving to other primarily Christian causes and and charities where appropriate. And that kind of nailed down my Who am I giving to? The church first, church I'm part of, and then other, like I say, primarily Christian causes. And it wasn't a big deal until I started earning money and actually had money to give away. And so principle number two, when I started earning, I immediately started giving. It's really a lot harder to start your giving out of money that you're used to having and used to spending and used to saving. If you've got it, you've got to kind of get over this hurdle of this is mine and I'm going to make it not mine by giving it away to God, to the church, to charity. If, however, you never really see the money, you never receive the money, it kind of you earn it and straight away it's gone. It's much easier, actually, emotionally to cope with some of the temptation not to give. It's also easier to then live on what's left over if you have chosen to give, let's say, 10% and then you've only got 90% left over to live on, well, you do that. You live on the 90% rather than live on the 100% and then try and work out, what can I give up? What can I not spend money on to give the 10% I want to give elsewhere? And a wee suggestion might be, as you receive a pay rise, for example, or a bonus, if you're fortunate enough to get bonuses, You could choose to give money out of that increase before you even accept it or receive it. Emotionally, that can be a little bit easier. So who to give to and then when to give as soon as I started earning. Number three, it follows on really. You give as soon as the money comes in. So following that principle, as soon as I get paid on a monthly basis or as soon as money comes into my account, I want that money The portion of it that I've chosen to give away to leave my account as soon as possible. If it it sits in my account, it kind of burns a hole in my pocket, as they say. It might get accidentally spent on something else, or I'm tempted to use that money for something that wasn't my priority. We've spoken about priorities before. Giving is a priority. Therefore, as soon as the money comes in, I will give it. It means I follow through on my commitment to give, but it also means the recipient receives that money sooner. It's good for me. It's good for discipline. It's also good for the the beneficiary of my giving. So I give it as soon as it comes in. Now, I'm going to go for a really practical point next, Bex. Um, If I said to you, I give by standing order, does that make sense to you?
1: Yeah. So it's coming directly from your bank and going straight into another bank, right?
0: Yeah. So I instruct my bank, please send some money to this other organization, this other person on a regular basis, I typically would get paid regularly, monthly, and it's often the same amount of money. And so I can plan in advance, well, I've chosen how much to give. So I'm going to arrange that standing order, that regular instruction to give the money to the church, to the charity. I actually believe there's a whole lot of value in a church service, maybe on a Sunday morning, in stepping up and stepping forward and putting your offering in the basket, if if that's how your church does it, putting your, your hand in the offering with the money. There is value to that. It's intentional. It's an act of worship. It can be joyful. It's communion with other people, other believers. But as a very financially practically minded financial advisor, I also believe there's greater efficiency and intentionality of setting up that regular automated process. Like Paul said, at the first of every week, set aside some money and I'll come and get it. This is my intentional process. I'll tell you what as well, your church treasurer or or the charity treasurer would be much happier to see your gift coming in regularly in a disciplined manner, straight to their bank account. It gives them a lot more control about how they can choose to spend the money. And I've been a church treasurer and I've spoken to church treasurers it is a great way to receive money as a charity in a regular disciplined manner. Standing order really works in that basis. So there we go give by standing order. Now, I had to then wrestle with this issue of how much was I going to give? Now, I started pretty much as a student and then getting my first job. So we're talking more than 20 years ago now. And I hadn't at that point investigated as much as I have now and established my theology of giving. So I wasn't really sure the tithe still sounded like a kind of good benchmark for me. I didn't know any better or worse. So what I did was I said to God, well, I'll start with a 10% and then I'll work out if I can be more generous and more sacrificial as time goes by. And hopefully, hey, just maybe I'll earn more money in the future and I can then choose to give more away, that proportionality side of things. And so that's what I did. I started at 10% and I try to then build it up over time. Does that make sense?
1: That's excellent. And if there's someone listening today who either 10% feels like a lot of money or actually I couldn't live on the 90%, my budget will not allow me to do that. What would you recommend? Should they not give until they can give 10% or should they start now?
0: Two thoughts come to mind. Um, Thought number one, great. You've mentioned budgeting. Well done, Bex. Reinforce that one. Thank you. Make sure your budget is broken down into needs and wants. I need to pay the bills. I need to pay the rent or the mortgage. I need to pay um, for food and I need to pay for the kids, whatever their expenses are. What I think you probably shouldn't do is say, I can't afford to give 10% because I spend 10% on my holiday budget. Holidays are important, but maybe not always holidays overseas and in the sun, for example. That's principle number one. The second one is this for those who haven't been giving or giving regularly, or giving a lot, systematically, deliberately. It is a major emotional and spiritual journey to go on, to reach a stage of this sacrificial, generous giving. So what I would say is, start where you are. If you're not giving at all, start giving something. The widow's offering, a small amount, but you're, you're getting involved in the mission of God on this earth by giving to his church and his kingdom. If you're giving occasionally, then give regularly in a disciplined manner. If you're giving a small amount, can you creep up the amount that you're giving? There are always steps that we can take. But certainly, I wouldn't say if you can't give 10% every month on a regular basis, don't give at all. No. Giving is a wonderful thing to be part of. Get yourself involved in God's economy that way. I'm going to take another principle now, Bex, another practical one from a financial advisor's point of view. Give using gift aid. Now, not everybody will have heard of gift aid. Are you aware of gift aid, Bex? Have you across it before?
1: Yeah, it seems to pop up every so often. And to me, it just looks like you tick a box. What is the magic in doing that?
0: Oh, the magic of gift aid. Love it. Um, gift aid is a government established and promoted method of getting money back from the tax man. I totally agree. We should pay tax. But when we have a legitimate reason to get money back from the tax man and certainly apply it to the kingdom, we should do that. I'll cover this in more detail in the future. Let me give you the basics. Imagine you were going to give £100 away to charity. Okay, If you have tick the little box that says, I gift aid this, you have to be a taxpayer to tick the box. Let's assume that you are. You give £100 away, the charity can now claim back from the tax man another £25. So straight away, 25% immediate increase in the size of your gift, free money to the charity. Why wouldn't you do that? Awesome. If one of our listeners happens to be a higher rate taxpayer, and they will know if they are. So they're earning a higher than average wage in the UK and they give £100 to charity. Yes, the charity can get £25. But that person That individual can also reclaim another £25 back from the taxman because they've paid more in tax. And I have known people who have realized this after a few years and gone back to the taxman and said, I didn't realize I could do that. Can I have a few years tax back? And yes, you can. You can go back up to four years and get that money back.
1: That's amazing.
0: So gift aid is awesome. Imagine that person. They've given £100. It only cost them 75 because they got £25 back and the charity gets £125. That's a 66% immediate increase in giving just by using gift aid. If you've never heard of it, never done it, go and investigate it now. Great. Love that. Very practical. Top tips. Okay. Let's keep going. I've spoken about regular, disciplined giving. I also have built a process for myself to get involved in irregular giving, shall we say. So, Whilst I give to the church on a monthly basis, what I also do is set aside money in a account which I have chosen to give away. I'm going to give this money away. It's part of my God-inspired, heartfelt, felt. Here's how much I should give, but I haven't yet chosen who to give it to. It might go to the church, but it might also go to some sponsorship for somebody or a charity I hear of or a natural disaster. There's a need for that money, and so in that moment when I feel inspired to give. I haven't got to think to myself, oh, can I afford it this month? I've got a bill to pay. I've got, it was an expensive month. It's just been Christmas. I can't afford right now. Or I can look at my giving pot and think, brilliant, I have saved up a pot of money to give away, and here's the moment. I'm now going to give it. It makes it easier when the moment comes. One more principle, Bex, with my family. I got engaged many years ago and then married. I discussed with my wife what her attitude towards giving was and how much and who to, we had a discussion together. And we try and do it occasionally when circumstances change to make sure we're on the same page of how and why and how much we give.
1: Fantastic. It's really clear in all that you've said so far that communication around money is so important when it's such an emotional thing. So that sounds like a really healthy thing. Now, from what you've said, it sounds like you've spent many years doing the hard work and figuring out how to put in place a really effective and deliberate process for your giving. And I know we're going to have to wrap up in a minute, but I can practically hear people shouting out their questions now. So I'm thinking people have questions like, what if I can't afford to give? What if I have no income? Can I give? Can I give things other than money? If I'm in debt, should I give? How do I hear from God about what I should give? And you said things like, you give mainly to church and Christian charities. Should I not give to other causes? And I'm sure there's still so many more questions. So, Simon, would you be willing to expand this topic of giving for some time and
0: answer some of those questions for our listeners? Yes, of course I would. I mean, we might find, Bex, there's a whole lot of content for a whole season of our podcast just on the topic of giving. I do love talking about Giving. If listeners have questions, hopefully by now they're starting to learn our email address. You can send in your questions and comments to where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk.
1: We'd love to hear your questions. Next week, our podcast topic is negative money. We'll be talking about debt, loans, credit cards, overdrafts, mortgages, and buy now, pay later. I'm sure you'll hear something to help you develop your own faithful finance. So goodbye, and we'll join you next time to find out where your treasure is.
0: Bye, Bex. Goodbye, all.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.